it's diversity and inclusion. You're not trying to bring people in, you're trying to bring people together. Hi, this is the Bring a Brick podcast, interviewing professionals from around the world who use improvisation in their work and in their life. I'm your host, John Cooper. Okay, on the show today we've got Sam Alhamdani. Sam is uh, a member of the CSE comedy sports team and he's also part of the Renegade Saints, who is an improv team who are in Geneva and he's part of the CSZ Inclusion and Diversity Committee, which we will get into at some point. Hello Sam, thanks for coming on the show. That is very welcome, it's a pleasure. Uh, that was a bit of a mouthful of an introduction. I hope I kind of covered all your bases. If I haven't, can you just elaborate a little bit more on the, the work that you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have been playing uh, with CSC, or well, it was Comedy Sports still when I joined, playing with them for nearly 10 years. Uh, about four years ago, I ended up getting a job in Geneva with one of the UN organisations. And when I came out here, uh, there were lots of people trying to get involved in improv but there was no kind of proper scene there was no group or anything so um i got together with different people and just did as much stuff as i could and eventually uh helped uh form a team there were two people there were two people who were already running like a drop-in session and they wanted to form a team and they got some people together and i joined in and that became renegade saints and we've been doing stuff here for the last three years now which is a scary amount of time uh when i think about it uh, but it's been really good because we get to do we've been doing workshops because it's heart of the un organization and lots of international organizations here uh, there's been lots of things where we've got involved with that some of the others more than i have really uh, but it's been really interesting united nations improv team yes. that sounds really cool where did the where did the name renegade <laughs> saints come from uh, it came from one of the guys, he's actually based in London now, uh, used to sign off his emails, uh, Saint Stell, uh, and that became a running joke. Uh, and as most things in improv art, it's probably just an in-joke that got out of hand. Uh, we hunted around for names, and we ended up with just a whiteboard that we wrote down every single suggestion for a name we could think of, and then crossed them off as and when enough people disagreed that that was a good name That's and we got left with renegade saints there's still controversy about whether it has a definite article or not right it seems to be a tricky <laughs> thing coming up with a good name for an improv troupe there's always been yeah yeah, yeah. well we li- i think generally we like it i think there's a we worry sometimes that it's not businessy but then i figure that we're an improv group and as much as we do stuff for business they're coming to us for our improv skills and so it markets us as that, even though we're doing it for business. Okay, so what is you said you've been doing this for three years, and and so what is what is the the improv scene like in in Geneva in in your part of the world? Is is it healthy? Is it is it you, you say it's kind of been started well, I, started off? Yeah, Geneva is a relatively small city. Uh, populations, I think, two fifty, three hundred thousand, something like that, and it's a massively international community. It's probably the most sort of international city in the world certainly the most international city i've ever been so you walk down the streets and you will certainly hear french which is uh 
technically one well it's one of the four official languages uh, you'll hear english a lot of the time but you'll hear german you might hear african everyone you meet is probably from a different country um which is an incredible starting point it's a really interesting thing so within that i mean the the french language improv scene for a city of this size is astonishing there's an amateur sort of the, it's not theater sports quite but it's basically a theater sports league Wow. Um, of nine amateur teams, uh, and they play uh, uh, against each other uh, in a league system across the year. Uh, there's then, I know of, there's one full-time professional theatre, uh, improv theatre. They have their own space. They teach all year round. They do shows all year round. They're really impressive, even though my French isn't. I still my French is good enough to know how good they are. Uh, there's another two improv troops at least that are pretty much professional uh, in French. And in English, there's a girl called uh, Sandra Lynn who's been running drop-in sessions here now for about, I'm going to say, eight years, something like that. Okay. Uh, and she gets 40 or 50 people every uh, across Thursday and Friday nights and runs free drop-in, uh, well, sort of free drop-in sessions. You throw money in uh, if you're enjoying it. There's us. So we have a show every month, and we get audiences of about 100, 120, something like that, which wow. is quite cool. Uh, so we do those shows, and we run classes as well, and occasionally we do like jam sessions and things. Uh, so there's a lot going on. Yeah, there was. It sounds another... like a really healthy scene. Yeah, uh, we've just had we ha we've just seen another improv troupe come and go, uh, who are were sort of based up at CERN, which is nearby. Uh, they, they've been in for a year, but one of the main people's just gone back to the States. So, as a lot of troops do, kind of comes and goes. And also over in Lausanne, which is the next city over, uh, at the university there, there's a science-based improv troupe, and they come and do stuff in Geneva occasionally as well. But they do a monthly show where they get, like, a science expert to do a monologue about their science, and then they do improv scenes based off that. Science-based mm. improv. That's yeah. awesome. And is that is that in the English language? Uh, that's in English as well, yeah. Is your improv multilingual then? Do the, do the different languages do different language shows? Or is there a point <laughs> where, where you have to be bilingual to a degree? Uh, well, for our shows, we're essentially uh, just English-speaking. Although uh, most of the people in the troupe at least speak French, but probably not necessarily to the standard to do an well certainly i don't do it to the standard to do an improv show in french um i, I in the troupe we've got the team is there's one canadian uh, an irishman uh, a french guy so he's improvising in his second language uh two americans uh another two brits so it's a fairly multinational group um i've done improv with french improvisers but in English, generally, I've I've done one scene in French, and I was really proud of myself for actually making a pun in French. That's really <laughs> awesome. Because I, I mean, for some reason, in my head, when I think of Geneva, I just yeah. think of this one big round building with a fountain in the middle and all these flags <laughs> surrounded um, by mountains, like it's the only thing that's there. That's pretty much the only thing that is. Uh, it isn't the biggest of cities, right? So it's amazing that you should have that level of activity in such a place. 
But um, I'm guessing it's a communication hub. It's, it's, it's you know, Geneva, United Nations, yeah. communication is key to the work that goes on there, yeah? Exactly. You've got people coming from all over the world. It's all, it's, there's an almost a sense of it feeling a bit like going back to a huge university. Uh, not absolutely, but it's, pe- you know, people are coming here because they want to make a difference. Yeah. Uh, because they want to achieve things. And yeah. generally, uh, you know, not an absolute rule. People care, and people are trying things. So, it's a, yeah, it's a great environment for that kind of thing. What about yourself? How did you how did you find improv? What was your route into improv? Uh, my route into improv was from the stage. I was acting. I'd done some professional acting and mainly amateur stuff. And I was on stage in a production of Billy Liar, and I was in a kitchen morning breakfast scene and the person playing Billy Liar's mum walked off the stage because she'd entirely forgotten her lines. And wow. what she knew is that her script was backstage and it just looked like she could was clearing the table to the audience. Of course, for the rest of the actors, we just got left out on the stage with no idea where she'd just gone to. And one of the other guys just started having a conversation, uh, which I ummed and ahed my way in response to, but kind of kept going with him. And as soon as we got off the stage, um, I thought, do you know what? I've had some friends who've been telling me I should go and do improvisation. I'd like to have that skill for exactly this moment. <laughs> that's an excellent story. That, that's really good. And uh, did, yeah. did, did the audience notice anything about that, that, that show that was not right, or did you get away with it? I think we got away with it. They probably noticed something wasn't right, but it, not anything specific. Uh, and I've now got to the point, I've now been in a show where uh, three people missed a cue to come on, which were, and their, their coming on was my cue to leave. And so I had a conversation. And they didn't still didn't come on. And I managed uh, nearly five minutes, at which point the director got up out of the audi- auditorium, left, and shoved the, went and found the actors and shoved them on. And they were backstage with a copy of the script going, I can't find where he is in the script. What's, wh- oh where my is God. he? Because uh, clearly, not just good enough to fool the audience, but we actually managed to fool the rest of the cast into thinking we were delivering dialogue from the play. That sounds like a nightmare that I once had, <laughs> where I had a nightmare where I was in a play and I was so unable to work out what, what I was supposed to be doing that I would have been the person backstage being dragged on. <laughs> That's terrible. That sounds, that sounds yeah. terrible. So, so yeah, so you, you decided you needed to go and do some improv from that point. And yeah. Did you, did you find some? I'm guessing you did. I did. Um, well, I had friends who'd uh, done classes with uh, comedy sports in Manchester. Okay. Uh, and... They'd uh, suggested that I go along and do the classes, and I went along and I did them. And uh, um, uh, not a specific comedy sports thing, and it, as an improv thing, I absolutely hated it. Um, I really I, the first I think the first three years I was doing improv, so classes, and then actually starting to perform. Yeah, probably we did our we did the workshops, or we did, and then eventually shows. We did them on a Saturday. And I would start on the, like the Wednesday, I would start building up, uh, a level of tension and mm-hmm. fear about what I was going to do wrong on the Saturday. Okay. Uh, and then it come to the Saturday, we'd do the workshop. I'd think I was doing terrible things. 
and then it'd finish and I'd spend the next kind of three days uh, just uh, analysing what I'd done horribly wrong and beating myself up over it. Oh, wow. I really have no idea why I carried on doing it, uh, uh, certainly for those three years. That would be around the time we met, I would guess. It would have been, yes. We met when I joined the uh, uh, comedy sports troupe in Manchester, I think. Maybe yeah. in, during classes, but probably when I actually joined the troupe. There would there would have uh, been no point that I would have detected that you were having that level of... You always looked confident. You always do look confident. You always look <laughs> incredibly confident. Maybe it's your good looks. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> um, I, I, thank you. I always tell people to just say thank you when they receive a compliment. So, thank you. Yeah. Um, I think it, well, the, the the thing that made the difference for me, sort of internally, was when I decided to quit. Um, I was doing too many things. So, because as well as improvisation, so I'm a graphic designer. I do lots of acting. Uh, I renovate old buildings. Uh, I'm involved in politics. So I, I have this whole slew of things that I work on. And I just decided that it got too much, and I was doing too many things. Yeah. And I turned up to uh, practice on a Saturday. And I decided in advance I was quitting, that was it, and I was just, I was going to go and do the practice, uh, and at the end say, thank you very much everybody, it's been really fun, that's it, uh, just, it turns out improvisant for me. And because I decided that, I completely relaxed for the practice, mm -hmm. and I had the most enjoyable practice that I've ever had. Wow. Uh, it was amazing. At which point I then went, oh, I can't quit. I've just realised how much fun it is. That's a fascinating yeah. bit of insight. And you're also doing workshops as well in Geneva? Uh, yes, we try and run classes. We try and run probably two ten-week courses a year. Uh, we had a, a On Saturday, we just had a jam session where we just invited people along to play games, and we got, I think, 30 people along at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning uh, to just jump around and have fun so. okay and is that relevant to the, to the work that you do at the un or is it just a broad-based improv workshop stuff that's just a broad-based improv workshop thing uh that's we the, the venue that we use it's a uh, downstairs in a pub and they they're really good to us because we bring in nice big audiences for them so they let us use their space sometimes to to run classes and stuff so we as long as we tell everybody to buy drinks afterwards they're really happy yeah Grease the wheels, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on then, because as well as yep. as well as that, it's kind of the stuff that we we I mentioned you do at the beginning, and there's something yep. that I'm I'm interested in, which is you are a part of the the CSZ Diversity and Inclusion Committee. That's right. Yes. Um, which was set up. Uh, how how long ago was that set up? We've been working on it for most of the last year. Um, I, uh, I couldn't tell you an exact date, and it was only in the last few months that we actually got a set kind of uh, agreement on what we were trying to do. So, gradually happening for about a year. Okay, and can you elaborate on kind of what, how the need for it came about and, and the kind of remit that you have with that? Yeah, um, it's... Lots of people have had lots of issues in the improv community in general. I don't think just in CSC. I think it's a, a, a general thing. Um, certainly there's been, there was so much news in Chicago happening about um, people being excluded. There was so much discussion about uh, women being misrepresented in improv shows and in the improv community. Mm -hmm. 
you know, one of the most common things I, I would hear, certainly talking to people uh, performing over there, was the thing about how women were always cast in scenes as wife or prostitute. But I mean, not just. Yeah, I've I've, se- I've seen that. I've seen I've seen that in a couple of shows in the last yeah. year where it's it's maybe less experienced improvisers or drop-in sessions where it's kind of like, oh, yeah. I'll do this because it's funny, and it's like it's not. It's yeah. not funny. It's kind of it's it's intrusive and it's unpleasant. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't just happen, you know, it doesn't just happen in that sense. There's also then, um, there's a sense in which the, the, I mean, society has lots of biases. You know, wherever you're growing up, you're either part of the majority or you're underrepresented. And that's kind of inevitable. But then it's how society reacts to that. And improv is just part of society. Yeah. You know, so if there is an issue in society, that same issue is going to be there in improv. Um, and just as, you know, people in society are trying to address that, in improvisation, in, it needs to be addressed. People need to kind of actively think about what's happening and sort of actively both tell people that we don't want this to be a problem and we want to make a difference. Because the thing is, if, if you're the sort of person who would be biased against, uh, then you won't get involved in the first place. You know, if you if you look at an improv show and you see ten white men doing jokes about white men stuff, mm-hmm. um, then you kind of go, oh well, that's just not that's not going to be my scene. I'll go and do something else. Yeah. And there's no feel. So we're not. That wasn't the in that improv show was in any way kind of consciously biased, but it just continues the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just trying to look at when what's happening, whether things are happening deliberately, whether things are happening sort of through inexperience, or things are happening because of just this general societal bias. Um, and I, I think the key thing then, in what we're trying to do in addressing that, is, so it's diversity and inclusion. And the key point, I think, we have to think about that inclusion being everybody. So many people, when you when you try and do something like this and talk about diversity. People look at the people who you're trying to bring in, but yeah. what, you're not trying to bring people in. You're trying to bring people together. Yes, and and so it's it's you know making uh, an improv scene that still celebrates everything that it currently has and just adding more things to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing that I really enjoy when I kind of go around and work, you know, I've seen various improv groups. Certainly, more so in America, the, the diversity of age range, not just gender. Yeah. Um, is wonderful when you see an improv yeah. group that has say, a twenty-year-old guy in it and a fifty-year-old guy in it, and they're working together on stage, and it's not yes. even an issue. You know, it's not just a bunch yeah. of kind of white male thirty-somethings. There is a yeah. there is a distinct change in age and gender, you know, yeah. and and, and colour, and it's kind of like that. I think that's it's very important just to see just to see that, and just just to just to have that be the norm, you know. Yeah, yeah. And in, in terms of stuff that you're saying, I've just kind of made a note there. Do you think, in terms of the stuff that comes out when you're on stage, relative to that, do you think improv reveals, as in what people are predisposed to? If you've got something on your mind, if there are things in the back of your head, then obviously when you're being in the moment and you're doing stuff, mm. things, things come out of your mouth. Oh, yes, inevitably. And it's fascinating, the differences, you know, as well as... So we've got two improvisers who aren't... First language English. They come from. Uh, uh, we've got one guy who's Spanish, one guy who's French, uh, and so it's fascinating watching the different, just things that aren't good or bad, just different. 
yeah. you know, those things come out and then you react to people in a different way because you're, you're being supplied with different information. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, the French language improv scene over here is very physical. There's a lot of uh, mime and uh, really distinct physical characters. And so that's, you know, the background that they've theatrically grown up in coming yeah. out. And that gives you different information. But then the way that you respond, like, I've, I've, I've done a show with a French improviser. Um, and this is just a, a thing in the French improv scene he's grown up in. They never switch gender when they're playing. Okay. If if you are a man, you play a man on stage. That's it. And so I was doing a scene with him, and we'd we'd kind of done a couple of little practices, and then we uh, did a show. And I saw his face just get completely flummoxed at one point in a scene, and we talked about it afterwards, and he just went, "Oh, well, I didn't know what to do." And it was because I came on stage and was um, as his wife. Ah. And it's just, for him, he'd never been supplied with that information from a male improviser. And so he then, you know, he, he did yes and, he went along with it, but he, yes. you could see his brain trying to almost revert back to, like, a couple of times he almost tried to justify that I was a man, even though I wasn't saying it. And he he didn't, but you could see the way he was building up to sentences to do that, um, because it's what he's used to. Yeah, um, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I I, I remember it was a, a very early challenge that was given to me in notes about the fact that I was always playing a man on stage, and I think it was kind of like in the early days of um, doing improv, where yeah. you know I, I felt the need to be in control somewhat, and I I couldn't. I felt like I would embarrass myself if I was to play a woman in a scene, but I challenged myself, and then I did. And then yeah. suddenly I found that I was going horribly wrong and into, like, Monty Python territory and going, oh, yeah. hello, and, and putting, you know, like, yeah. really silly woman's voice on. And then I think the challenge after that was then to rein it in and not be a stereotypical Monty Python, not Monty Python, woman yes. handbag female yeah. character. Um, we, and we've all done it, and it's not, it's not wrong, but it's just don't always, you know... Again, diversity in that, you know, sometimes sometimes do play a stereotype, but then sometimes don't play a stereotype. Mix it all up. It's, yeah, it, it, that's because that's, that's a really good note. Yeah, don't play a stereotype, because really, when you're doing something like your short-form comedy-based improv, mm. having stereotypes to hand is incredibly useful to get the information across quickly. Yeah. But, you know, when you're doing that in long form, would you say mm. that that's probably less needed? I It's... It's still useful shorthand. Okay. I wouldn't. I, I don't think it's necessarily. You know, it, it, when you're doing a stereotype, I, I suppose what what you what you're doing with long form is you want to expand a stereotype. Or certainly for me, that's something that I would like to do. You know, play a distinct stereotype, but then find out what is what there is more to it. That's the beauty of long form for me is is being able to see the whole way round a character. And if it's a stereotyped character, I think then almost it's even more fascinating to see what else they've got, to see what is not part of that stereotype, or what is, or how they differ from it. Yeah, no, I don't know. So the, the 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 committee that you're part of is that is that like a handful of people? Is it a kind of an ongoing project? Uh, it's an ongoing project. It's just an open, you know, anyone who is part of CSZ can volunteer uh, to be part of it. They just speak to. Uh, whoever's uh, sort of uh, in the management team in their city and say they're interested in getting involved. Uh, we meet online, a uh, big kind of uh, phone conference, 
uh, every it, I, ideally every month. It's not quite every month, but then as um, we're starting to try and go beyond that, so we're setting up a Twitter account with uh, the idea of comedy for everyone. And again, that's that thing. It's for everyone. It's not sort of bringing. It is bringing diversity in, but it's it's on top of. It's always building. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, okay. Th- there's other stuff I want to talk about, but I'm just going to yeah. kind of. What do you What do you get out of the work that you do? You do this. You love it. What do you What are your big takeaways from the stuff that you do? Uh, in, in improv or just in general? I think. Well, actually, no. Both apply. This is really sometimes feels silly to say this. I want to make the world a better place. I've wanted to be a writer since I was little. I wanted to be a politician. I can remember handing out leaflets for political parties when I was like six. And if you ask me any time between then and now, I've always said, you know, if somebody says, oh, politics, why do you want to do that? I want to make the world better. Yeah. And in so many ways, both in terms of improvisation and, and politics, I get the opportunity to do that. You know, making somebody smile uh, is just the most wonderful experience. Yeah I, yeah, I love that I get to go on stage and for a couple of hours, people just get to enjoy themselves. And sometimes yeah. they get challenged as well, and that's great, and we make them think. But I, I, I mean, I just never, I try never to forget just the pure thing of, you know, life is for having fun, and to get to make a hundred people have fun for an hour, two hours. Ah, oh, how wonderful is that? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome stuff. It really is. But then I also, I do want to change the world. I, I really want to. I'm hopefully standing for election next year in the UK. Oh and wow! I want to. Yeah, uh, I want to change things, and, and in a positive way. I, I think so much about politics. You either get people who are trying to keep positive things, or who you know, I people. I, I'll try not to be politically biased, but often people look at, I don't know, organisations or ideas that aren't working properly and try and scrap them. And, I, and, and that is not an unreasonable point of view, because if something isn't working properly, then why are you putting up with it? Mm-hmm. But quite often the response is to scrap something rather than to celebrate what it want, should be doing but accept that it needs to be reformed and changed. Yeah. And so I kind of want to get into politics and change everything, but with, like, a really positive attitude. So you're like, saying you want to use yes and in politics? Yes. Excellent. Absolutely. Um, I think it's so important to look at what we've got and then build it into a better thing. Yeah, that that's wonderful. If you can, if you, I will vote for you if you can bring in, if you can put improv in schools and on the curriculum, you get my vote. Uh, absolutely, that's awesome. Uh, well, I'm trying to, I'm hoping at some point in the next year or two to start running uh, classes with sort of uh, refugees and asylum seekers, uh, but a mix, not just refugees and asylum seekers, mm-hmm. but with people in local communities. Because I think that would be a great thing. I mean, how good is it? improv is this? As a, as a, just a, an art form, it's a really collaborative art form. Yeah. And so to go into places where there are tensions and to mm. be able to sit down with groups that have those tensions with each other. Yeah. But but do so. You know, you're you know you're just going to say we're going to do some improv. We're going to have fun. And they're not thinking about breaking down barriers between themselves. They're just turning up to this thing, which is going to be a bit of fun on a Friday night or something. Yes. 
But if you can then get that mindset uh, across to them, and then they're just having fun together, so they're accidentally, you know, seeing the best of people, yeah. and also building their own mindset of going, oh yeah, that's how that works, so that collaboration thing, that really works, and both on a conscious and a, a subconscious level, building those attitudes. You're reminding me of like you know improv at the harsh end, which that sounds like improv at the harsh end, where those values are really good and really worth having. Um, yeah. There was an article I was reading online with with Tim Robbins, the actor Tim Robbins. Yes. Who does in fact, improv in yeah. prisons? Yes. So the girl that works with him, Sabra Williams, her sister is in my improv group in Geneva oh, in a wow. small world thing. Isn't um, it a small yeah. world? Yeah. And it is amazing, but uh, yeah, these people do. So she has, uh, the sister, she's been in South Sudan working for the UN on, um, sort of, uh, the peacekeeping activities out there. Yeah. Uh, and then, and taking that mindset, you know, again, she's got that mindset of, you know, improving the world. Mm -hmm. And she's then at both a really, really lovely improviser. And I'm getting to do a show with her on Thursday. She's flying back to do the show with us. But also applying that, and then you know you can you can then her family doing that with Tim Robbins in in prisons in America, and again people taking this out there and making practical differences in the world. It's so good. Yes, you've you've got us all fired up now. I'm, I'm <laughs> full of energy. I just want to run out and shout about it. Um, okay, I'm I'm going to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot finally yes. and ask you, Sam. Do yes. you have a favourite improv game? Yes, yes, I do. Uh, it gets slightly different names, as does every improv game. My favourite game is Dramatic Soap, which okay. I first saw Minneapolis uh, Comedy Sports do at uh, World Championship a few years ago, and it's the one where you're either... you're as, as though you're in an American soap opera, and one person always has to be staring out into space, one person always has to be touching somebody, and one person has to be uh, uh, draped dramatically in the background. It sits down Neil, but for an American soap generation. And right. I love it because of the way it forces you to justify emotional shifts. I love that it's a, an entire, entirely a game about the relationship between the people. And then all games are supposed to be that. But I think this really brings it home, and I, I love it. Sam, thanks uh, so much for agreeing to come on and have a chat. Pleasure. If people are interested in diversity and inclusion stuff, check out the AIN website and the Facebook. Post stuff on there saying that you're interested. If you're in comedy sports, get in touch with the diversity and inclusion committee. Or hopefully just get in touch with me and say, I'm interested in this. I've been setting up a survey to try and hopefully that'll be going out soon to assess the industry and look at that kind of thing. We're trying to see what's going on, what people are doing and what people can do more. So please get in touch. That's brilliant. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, pleasure. Thank you. For more interviews, visit the bringabrickpodcast.com website. While you're there, you can also sign up for the mailing list and send me your comments and recommendations. And if you like what you've heard, please do rate and review. Every click does help.